All right, we should be on and rolling in the book of Titus. Okay, there, uh, uh, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But we're trying out, uh, for those of you online, a new microphone today. We've tried several, and hopefully this one gets the sound across a whole lot better. And so we'll see. Uh, feel free to make a comment. Online, there's uh, a couple of people here in the assembly that are going to be uh, watching Facebook during the assembly to respond to any questions or anything that comes up. And so... Um, because we, we did have a positive uh, case in our assembly uh, here this last uh, week of COVID, there's a number of families called me right after that message went out and, um, and said, uh, we have something, <laughs> we have a bunch of symptoms, uh, we're going to go get tested and we're probably going to lay low and not be there Sunday because we don't want to get others sick. And so we have quite a few people. I just checked. There's quite a number that are watching online right now. And so there's probably, in fact, there's not probably, there's definitely way more online that are here in our assembly right now. Um, and so uh, what an amazing time we live in. Uh, we can, there's some, some great things about technology. There's some, some downsides to it. But let's take the great sides and let's use it for good as we, as we go through this time. Uh, there is, a, like any other time, the right answer when we don't know what to do is to just stop and spend time in prayer with God. And so that's what we can, we can sure do. And let's take a few minutes to do that right now as we, we start in. Father, we're so thankful for the blessings that you give us. Uh, there is a, it's a time of, in our world, um, we see a, a lot of division. We see a lot of um, information, misinformation. There's this uh, uh, sickness going around and it's just hard to know what to do in any given moment, but help us to just have the humility to quiet our souls, to pray, to remember that for you and for us as Christians, we just continue to be faithful day in, day out, and our mission has never changed. And we pray that in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, the book of Titus, we've spent some time going through it here the last little bit, or at least a few passages there. Because Paul has given Titus a tough, tough job. If you remember, I shared that when Paul writes to Titus, he says, the reason I sent you was to go teach people to do good. And that phrase comes up over and over again in the book of Titus. Teach people to do good. And he he acknowledges, he said, one of the the prophets from Crete, one of their own people that speaks about their own society, says that it is a society full of evil people, lazy gluttons, brutes, all that kind of stuff. And boy, it's a mess. And so I was trying to think about how do we put something like that in our context. And I was thinking about in the 1880s in Butte, Montana, when mining was going all out and the Copper Kings were there. You imagine these immigrants that come from Italy and the immigrants that came from uh, from Butte. How many of you have spent time in Butte? Yeah, so, yeah. my dad's a bulldog. He went to high school in Butte, and so I've got some Butte blood there, I guess, in some ways. But he, uh, he tells stories about going to high school, and that was in the 60s, and he said it was pretty rough then. But if you turn the clock back to the 1880s, when the Copper Kings are ruling, it was known for being one of the most corrupt places on earth. Just imagine if God comes to you and says, gives your name and says, what I want you to do is I want you to go and to share the message of God to these miners that are just coming out of these 
these holes when they go home to their families. And I want you to teach them to do good. Maybe your response would be, Oh man, send me anywhere but there. That's a tough spot. It's, it's, the living conditions are terrible. It's a rough crowd. This is going to be hard. But that's really what God, what, through Paul, has done with Titus. said, I'm going to send you to a tough spot where things are rough to teach people to do good. And in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, Titus, as Paul is writing to him, shares with the the crux of the matter. How do you take a people that is really rough stock and teach them to do good? Because just effort is not going to do it. And so what he shares with them is this. And this is what we've gone through here the last weeks. It says, Titus, teach them to do good. Because we struggle with doing good. Titus 3.3 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And I imagine as Titus is reading that, he's saying, Oh yeah, I can see that here with this crew. Yeah, there's plenty of that. Oh yeah, we know all about that. But the story doesn't stop there. Because we have a really good God. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. We have a God that provides us an amazing, wonderful, good example. And also, this God that is really good has found a way to place part of Himself in us, to transform us. It says, He saved us to the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Paul speaks to Titus and reminds him of two of the great gifts that we have in following Jesus. We have the washing of rebirth, or water baptism, that's what the early church understood this passage to refer to, the washing of rebirth that cleanses us and transforms us, and then the renewal by the Holy Spirit, God placing part of Himself in us so that we walk forward understanding that we have God walking alongside us and everything, continuing to transform us. Those two things demonstrate wonderful gifts that God has given us. And so coming into the kingdom of God and and being one who decides I'm going to be one who does good is not a matter of God just looking down from heaven and saying, well, I guess that person is worthy, or I guess that person is worthy, or, you know, I don't like them very much, I'm not even going to give them a shot. Every one of us, when we hear the message of God, can say, I want to be part of it. I'm going to accept this gift of a washing and rebirth. I'm going to accept this gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go forward, and by God living in me, I'm going to be empowered to be able to do good that I never could before. And that's what we talked about here a couple of weeks ago. And so Paul continues to share with Titus what it means or what it looks like to live the good life, how to do that. He says, so that... And this is the next verse there, right after what we just read. So that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. There's two words that we're going to talk about today. Justified, or justification, and grace. And these are extremely important, essential concepts for us to live the good life and produce good fruit. So think about this. Justification, we'll start with that. And usually in our world, when we talk about justification, if, uh, if I use the term with my family or with my children, 
it's usually in the sense of, wait a minute, you are just justifying your actions. We can do that, can't we? How many of you have ever done something and then found all sorts of excuses for why you did that? Yeah, okay. All of us, yeah, we're honest here, right? Yeah, justification. We can justify anything we want, right? Yeah, there was a, I, I just... I just had to drive 120 miles an hour. I couldn't resist it. I just had to do it, right? There's the, my, the justification, you know, whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah, but some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. I don't want to hear about it. We can you know, confess later, whatever. Anyway, justification from a spiritual perspective is this. And I'm all for definitions that we can boil down. It's just as if I never sinned. Now, let's geek out for a few seconds or a few minutes here. And these are some definitions that come from a big theological dictionary talking about justification. Because Paul talks about it a lot. You see this term come up in the New Testament quite a bit. Justification results from an action of God whereby an individual is set in a right relationship with God. That is, vindicated or declared to be right. So justification is God doing his work to take someone from not being right to being right. That's the idea. Look at this definition. Here's an, another one, or a little bit further down in the same, same reference material. God's powerful, cosmic, and universal action in affecting a change in the situation between sinful humanity and God, by which God is able to acquit and vindicate believers, setting them in a right and faithful relationship to himself. So the same thing. God taking something that is not and making it something that is. Taking us who have a strained or broken relationship with God and taking us to a place where we have this vibrant friendship that we can walk side by side with God. That's what justification is all about. That's what the definition is here. And so you see, he says, we are justified by the grace of God. We have been made, by submitting and accepting these gifts of God, of the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, we go from darkness to light and we are made so it is just like we never sinned. We are washed clean. And if that isn't good news, I don't know what else is. If you think about the great Christmas gifts that you've gotten over time, somebody thought, put a lot of effort into, maybe made something for you that you have in your home, and you think, man, this is beautiful, this is wonderful. And compare that to what God has done for us. And justification only comes through a personal God. It's not an impersonal force. But a personal God walking alongside us saying, I'm going to take this person that has all this sin, all this shortcomings, because I see what's there. I see what's really there. Is there created in my image? And I'm going to bring him back to that. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. That's what justification is. Hey, we're going to come back to justification, but let's talk about grace here for a minute. Grace is unmerited favor. And again, this can only come from a personal God. This doesn't come from karma or this impersonal force that's out there. But grace means that even though I don't deserve the goodwill of God, I get it and I receive it. I used an example here a while back uh, when we touched on grace a little bit. When uh, Colter Roscos and I went hunting, and there was a lady that had gone off the road way back. And she said, no, 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 I don't need help. I'm good. It's all good. And we said, please just jump in the car with us. We'll take you back. No, 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 I'm good. We were trying to show grace. We were trying to say, hey, yes, 
sure, you may not deserve the ride back. You ran your car off the road. You did this. But we want to give it to you. We want you to, to be safe. And she did make it back to town. And, and if you, I don't want to leave you if you weren't here for that story that we just left her out there. We didn't. She did make it back to town. But I heard a, it was somebody posted something on Facebook this week that it made me think, and I appreciate this. Uh, Connie Peterson from Livingston uh, forwarded this uh, on her Facebook page, and I read it, and it made me think, and it really dovetails what we're talking about here, uh, the concept of grace. Now, how many of you have ever been in a store and dropped something like this? Anybody? Oh, yeah. If you're not raising your hands, we need to talk, okay? Because I remember it happening a couple times with me. I remember as a kid, and I don't even like mustard, but I remember there was this little tiny jar of mustard that was on the, the shelf at Rosar's in Libby, Montana. And I remember saying, hey, Mom, look at this. And I went and grabbed it because it was small and it was cute, you know, cute bottle of mustard, whatever. And it was made of glass, and it slipped out of my hand and went all over the floor. And after I got done gagging, I remember being really embarrassed and thinking, oh, no, I cannot believe that I just did that. Think about this. Here's the the story. I was at TJ Maxx today and heard a loud crash and something shattering. Being nosy, I walked toward the sound and saw some people whispering and looking back at the end of the next aisle. How many of you would do that? You hear a crash, you go towards it, right? You want to see what's going on, right? Exactly. When I walked down that aisle, I saw that an older lady had hit a shelf and many things had fallen to the ground and broken. She was kneeling on the floor, embarrassed, frantically trying to clean up. How many of you have been in that situation, frantically trying to clean up? The wedding that I was at yesterday, a little girl dropped a piece of porcelain right during a, a, quiet, a quiet moment during the reception, and it went everywhere, and the poor little girl just, you know, she, was, she was embarrassed, and someone just helped her clean it up, and it was okay. But, man, those moments, that embarrassment, right? I felt so bad for her. Everyone was just standing there staring at her. So I went and knelt beside her, and told her not to worry and started helping her pick up the broken pieces. After about a minute, the store manager came and knelt beside us and said, Leave it. We will clean this up. The lady, totally embarrassed, said, I need to pay for all this. And the manager smiled, helped her to her feet, and said, No, ma'am, we have insurance for this. We do not, you do not have to pay anything. If you've read this far, give me another minute. Wherever you are, close your eyes and imagine God doing the same for you. Imagine the broken pieces of your mistakes or the pieces of your broken heart from all the blows of life that is thrown all all over the floor and you're trying to collect all the pieces and fix them. Now imagine God comes. Again, this personal, loving God comes and kneels down right beside you, smiles and says to you, leave it all there, I'll clean this up for you. He loves you that much and wants to put all of those pieces back together if you will let him. With him, we have this insurance, and it's called grace. It's free. All you have to do is ask him to forgive you, help you, and to heal you. He is that faithful, I promise. Now, there's a, whenever there's analogies or illustrations like that, uh, we, can, we can pick them apart a bit. But what I want us to do is think about this from the perspective of the person that has just dropped this big mess on the floor. We find ourselves in that situation in life is there's a mess that is bigger than I can clean up by myself. And God comes alongside us, as we see here in what Paul is is reminding Titus. 
This is the how, and you teach them to do good. God has come alongside you, and he has said this, having been justified by his grace. So important here. Grace is God coming alongside us saying, hey, I'll help you clean this up. And justification is God's ability to be able to actually clean it up. And not just say it, but actually do it and clean it up and put it away. So it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And so for us, this is the, this is the message I want to hit on today, is that Paul is reminding Titus, you need to teach the people this, because this is what's going to transform them. Help them to remember that after they've come to Christ, they are justified by His grace. You notice which comes first here? Is it justification comes first or grace comes first? Grammatically, it mentions justification first, but what has to come first? Grace has to come before justification, right? God's got to come and kneel beside us and say, I will help you clean this up before He shows that He has the capacity and power to be able to do that, right? So grace comes before justification, and that is very, very important for us to never, ever forget. And I'll tell you why. Because if we remember that God's grace is great, His goodness is great, and He has walked alongside us and given us these great gifts and said, I want you to come into my kingdom. This isn't a matter of, of I'm going to choose some, I'm not going to choose others from, for, for salvation. But I just want you to come into my kingdom and accept these grace gifts of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit to live in you, to transform you, to live, to be different, to be beautiful and to be awesome. And that's what I want. What happens to us when we approach God that way is our tendency is just to have good works just flow out of our life because we realize, boy, this is a great God that we serve. This is a wonderful God, and look how good He has been to me. And I just can't help but share with others the goodness that has happened to me. Man, that's great. But the reality is, is I think we as people have a tough time living and staying right there. I think we have a tough time realizing that grace is what should always empower us. And I think I, think I know why, and I think we see this in Scripture. We talked about during the adult class, and have been for the last while, the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is... Uh, it is a is a tough book to walk through. There's so much good there, great spiritual lessons that give some real muscle to our faith. But one of the things that comes up there is that people have become so unfaithful that God says, well, Jeremiah, I'm going to have you go teach the message of God to them, but understand they're probably going to ignore you. In fact, they are. I know their hearts. They're going to ignore you, and it's not going to go well, and it's going to be this, but I'm going to make you tough. No matter what comes your way, I'm going to make you tougher than all the rest of them, and you're going to be able to survive it and overcome it. And man, what a deal. Amazing, amazing ministry that Jeremiah has been called to. But the amazing thing that, I, that always strikes me when I read the prophets in the Old Testament is that God appeared to Abraham, he appeared to Moses, and he gives a law. And when you compare what God has asked of the Israelites... It is so different than the people around them, the rest of the Canaanites. And God says, what I want you to do, Israelites, I want you to 
to come. I want you to offer these sacrifices and I want you to bring your best goat or your best lamb. And you come and you offer this sacrifice when sin happens. When, when I ask for the, the tithe, there's, there's some stipulations given there in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and some of Numbers and how these sacrifices are supposed to come. And maybe for us, we think, oh man, gross. You know, what, a, what a sacrifice in order to try to bring a, a lamb, first of all, but my best lamb, mm, that's, ah, that's kind of rough. When you compare what the rest of the Canaanites were called to do by their gods like Molech, Chemosh, those other gods of the Canaanites, those gods, they were made out of stone or wood or, or metal, those gods said, you bring me your firstborn son and you execute him in front of your eyes and you sacrifice him to me. And boy, everything in me would think, the Israelites would say, lamb, my son, lamb, my son. Hey, I'll very gladly sacrifice a lamb. Thank you very much. This is a great God. This is a good God that I need to run towards. This is a God that is full of grace and mercy. I see so much there. But that's not what happens. As time goes along with the Israelites, they just can't seem to resist going back to these other gods that require so much more of them and so much destruction to their families. And they can't seem to resist it. And I think what it is, is that we as humans have a really, really tough time just believing that God is as good as he is. I think we wrestle with it. People, historically. Look at our world today. How many religious groups are out there that will will pile tradition on top of tradition on top of tradition to make following Jesus or worshiping God so unbelievably, incredibly difficult and, and prevent so many people from being able to do so? How many religious groups are out there that, that teach and preach all sorts of, of this harsh self-discipline and treatment of the body that... Um, because, man, we just gotta suffer. You know, we gotta suffer. We gotta really pay this, this gigantic penalty if we're really gonna be spiritual, if we're really gonna go deep with God. Whereas with Titus is being shared, Paul is sharing with Titus, is that having been justified by his grace, it's not how this works. The hard work's already been done. The good news is already here. But what I've found is that we as people, and I'll read some of these that I reflected on this week. When we forget to put grace in the equation, and we forget that we serve a wonderful God, and we usually don't forget it here, we just forget it in our hearts, what happens is something else has to lead to justification. And the natural thing to put there is good works. And so good works stop flowing from our, our, our great joy and our great happiness because of what God has done for us through His grace. Good works themselves become the things that lead to justification because that's how we work and that's how we, we revert to as humans. So think about this. If we remember and we're living in a state of grace and we're living the good life, that's how we'll refer to it here. Remember, grace comes before justification. What happens is we tend to focus on the grace of God. If not, if we forget that, then our mind and our hearts go immediately to focusing on the great human effort that I need to put forth. If I can just do one more thing for God today, if I can just do this so much, boy, I just got to work just a little bit harder and maybe I can be in the good graces of God. Maybe I can earn His favor. If we focus on the good life, we focus on grace, 
then we, again, we tend to focus on the grace of God. If not, we focus on how others are not pulling their weight. Look at the Pharisees of Jesus' day. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything I have to the poor. Jesus' response is, yeah, that's great, but your heart is far, far from me. We can find all sorts of reasons to look at others to say, boy, they're just not doing what they should in order to follow God. Man, look how far they fall short. Because we forget the grace of God. That's where our heart goes. That's how we start looking at other people. When we um, live the good life, we accept God's love. And we continue to go back to that. We remember that. And we accept the, the love of God. If we don't, then we will spend our entire life trying to earn God's favor. Somehow, if I can just do a little more, or I can love a little deeper, I can just, yeah, that God will accept me, that somehow I can um, barely scrape into heaven by just the skin of my teeth, something like that. If we live in a state of grace, we're very willing to own our own sin and repent of it. Because we understand that in this life we're in transition and there's going to be sin that crops up in our life and that sinful nature and we confess and we repent and we move on. If not, if grace is not in the equation and doing good leads to justification, then we will at the drop of a hat blame everything and everyone else for whatever sin we have in our life. Because, boy, I don't want to come face to face with that because that's going to, oh, that's, that's not going to, uh, uh, God's going to be upset, lightning bolt's going to come from heaven. All that type of perspective. If we're living in a state of grace, then what happens is that fruit of the Spirit that we speak about a lot, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control starts rolling and flowing out of our lives. If not, if we're looking at our good works or what leads to justification, then ultimately we're going to find ourselves living in fear and anger constantly. Fear that I might not be good enough and anger that somebody else might look a little better than myself. And we miss it. And we as people can live that way. I've shared with you before that I'm a recovering Pharisee. I get it. I know how this works. I've lived it. I've been there. Not because I was taught that, but I think that's where my sinful nature and human nature went. Um, That's how how I, I wrestled. So think about this, is that the grace of God comes from leads to justification, and good works flow out of us. Our motive, what's happened inside of us, makes all the difference in the world. There's a passage that I want to look at here uh, that I think really drives this home that I spent some time in here a few weeks ago when when Paul just introduced the concept of a good God and we just touched on grace. Think about this. This is from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And Paul is writing to people who have been Christians for a little while at this point in time and telling them, sharing with them, how do you continue to be faithful? How do you continue to do good works? And, uh, and you start in the beginning of chapter 2, you see this. He, he lines it out and he's, he's sharing this with them. But think about this, and I'll read this here. He says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And just imagine where the Ephesians may have been. They live in this town where there's idols all over the place. They had all sorts of their own baggage on who God is. 
And maybe they said something like this, Paul, isn't it, don't I just need to be baptized again like six times or once a week? Isn't that going to be, make me more spiritual? Or what if I just have a, just a, I, I build some sort of, of statue and I put it in my house and, and I, uh, several times a week just use that statue to, I, I hit myself in the head with it so that I can just feel the pain. I can remember the pain that Jesus felt on the cross. Or maybe, boy, if I can just get out there and I can just do five or six more things today that are good that I did yesterday, maybe, oh man, that's going to put me in, in so much better spot. And Paul's telling him, it's not how this works. This God that you serve is a God that is very different. Because his favor is a gift. You have been saved by the grace of God. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Our good works are not what buys the favor of God. God's great gift of grace given to us causes good works to flow out of us, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The image that I have up here and the image that is used a lot in Scripture is is that God is sitting at a potter's wheel. And we are this great piece of pottery that he is making. And if you can imagine, uh, one of the things that's amazing and beautiful about handmade pottery, and we have some at home, there's people who have given us some handmade pottery as gifts at times. And when I look at handmade pottery, what you notice is that are they all the same? Not at all. (laughs) They're different, aren't they? Because when the potter's hands get on a piece of clay, somehow they come out just a little bit different every time, just a little bit unique than the, the coffee mug that was made last week to the one that was today, the one that is next week. They're going to be a little bit different in color and texture and, and how the hands came and formed it. And that's really what God has done with us. As God has said, all of you down there, and you accept these gifts that I give you of grace. You enter into my kingdom. What I'm going to do is I'm going to work on you. Beverly, I'm going to work on you. Gary, I'm going to work on you. I'm going to make you into something beautiful. Jillian, I'm going to work on you. Fred, I'm going to make you something amazing and something beautiful so that you can remember the goodness that I've done with you and you can just let that flow out of your life and share it with others. That is what it means to having been justified by his grace. That's what Paul is reminding (laughs) Titus to remind them here. Because that's what causes good works to come out of us, remembering that we're saved by the grace of God. Think about this. And here it is. The phrase that is used is having been justified by his grace. We have this wonderful, great God that is personal, that has come alongside us and said, boy, you sure knocked that jar off the the rack, didn't you? That's a big mess there on the ground. It's all right. I can clean that up. My grace causes me to want to walk alongside you. My ability to justify you allows me to clean this up and make it so that it is clean. Yeah, you're going to knock things off the shelf again, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to walk alongside you. And as we go along, what's going to happen is this transformation, the Holy Spirit living in you, is going to cause you to look more and more like me. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Because this is a long process. 
But as I sit at the potter's wheel, I'm going to make something beautiful and I'm going to make something amazing. And living in the grace of God means that we're able to look around and say, wow, look at the goodness that God has done for me and I can't help but just pour this out and share it with other people and do good works because that's what God has designed me to do. I want to give you something practical to think about because I believe that we as people, as humans, tend to be drawn back to this justification by good works. That tend to be where we live, if history is any indicator. And this is something I will give you to do this week, and I'm going to do it myself. There's a, you've got a church newsletter in your hand. Find a piece of paper. And let's just take 30 seconds. Grab a pen, and I want you to write something down. I'm going to grab my pencil here real quick. I'm going to do it as well. And if you don't have one, go ahead and grab it from somebody else or, or just uh, remember to do this at home. But write this down. Write this. I am justified by God's grace. I am justified by God's grace. Remembering that that means that by God's goodness and his favor, because he likes me, because he wanted to, I am now been justified by the grace of God, made just as if I never sinned. And that's beautiful, and it's amazing. There was a, something funny. There's a, a quote that, uh, is, that we have in our house right now. Sometimes funny things happen, or you watch a movie or something, and there's a, a quote that sticks with you. And uh, there's a, this summer, at one of the devotionals where the teenagers and, and young, young adults were at our house, we had uh, the volleyball net out, and, uh, and there was a, a little girl in the church came up and approached me. Um, I think she'd be okay with me sharing this. Carly Bachmeyer came up and said, Chris, did you see me running around the volleyball net? I said, uh, no, I didn't. She said, well, I did. I was running around the volleyball net. She said, do you want to know why I was running around the volleyball net? I said, yeah, Carly, why were you running around the volleyball net? Because I wanted to. (laughs) I love it. So we quote Carly about once a day, say, why did you do that? Because I wanted to. Love it. We ask the question, why did God justify me by his grace? You know where this is leading? Because God wanted to. That's how he works. That's his grace. I'm convinced that if you wake up every morning and you look at this sometime during the day, what you've just written down, I am justified by God's grace, then it will change your life. And it will change mine. And it will help us focus on the reason why we're called to do good things. Because it flows out of us because of the goodness of God. Now, if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't accepted the, the gifts 
that God has given to us by His grace of, of baptism and, accept, and receiving the Holy Spirit, then let's talk. Because that's the good news out there. Christmas is coming, but the best gift is right there on the table for any one of us who have not accepted it and decided that I'm in. It's important to talk about the grace of God because that leads us to doing good works because of the justification that God has given us. Amen? That's good news. A lot of bad news out there in our world today. But we, who are followers of Jesus, have the greatest news, and it's better now than it ever has been from the time Jesus came. And it continues to get better. We're going to go ahead and go into our our Lord's Supper. If you'd like prayers to church, you'd like uh, uh, to become a Christian today, you're welcome to head to the back, and we'll meet you back there and we'll pray with you. But uh, we're going to come down and share the Lord's Supper together, and then we'll sing our, our way out here in the next little bit.